Well, welcome again, Faith family. Uh, you're stuck with me again leading today's panel. They didn't fire me for last week's performance. So we have a special guest today. We actually have the guy who preached the sermon here. So we're going to be able to get some of the behind the scenes, uh, behind the curtain insight into the sermon preparation here too. So yeah, thank he's thinking, you. Thank he's, you for... Kyle's thinking, yeah, I hope he doesn't like set the bar of expectation way too high here. So. Typically I'm in meetings, so I'm not That's able true. to do this. I'm in a lot of meetings, but four day weekends... Uh, a lot of our people are gone. All the troublemakers nice. were gone. No, 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 no. I, didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. No, no, no. Not They're watching sports games. Exactly. Yeah, we, we know that. Well, uh, as many of you know, we like to start out just kind of starting out with a general, what were we uh, blessed by, what were we convicted by? Kyle, as you were preparing this sermon, what are some things that were a real encouragement to you, and what were some things that you felt like convicted, like, hey, I, this is something I need to work on myself? Mm. I, I think just just the effort to which Paul lived his life going hard after mm. Christ. Um, and I, I don't know that I can always say that, mm. but I want to say that. Just taking advantage of every minute of every day, every second of every minute, going hard after Christ and, and using uh, my time in a, um, a stewarding fashion. Mm. That's good. Good stuff. Good. So I found it interesting in Paul's use of sports language, and I think, you know, human nature, the way that we communicate, sometimes we use metaphors and analogies to communicate a deeper truth, and it's so interesting the way that he did that. So I appreciated how you unpacked that using those analogies, those metaphors of the running um, to associate it to the Christian life. And then the thing that really blessed me was your closing statement um, and your, your closing application. You said how well you play does not define you. Um, Jesus does. Mm. And that is just so comforting to know that um, before God, that, that God doesn't see me and my sinfulness, that he sees his perfect son who died in my place to, to give me his righteousness and to take my sin upon him. Um, so that's just so encouraging. Yeah. It's both humbling and yet it takes the pressure off too. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And, exactly. And it hits our culture, but also Paul's culture yes. as well, because all the athletes, their yeah. worth was in how they performed. Right, yeah. right, yeah. I was, I was encouraged, and this kind of previews my next question, but just encouraged that it's, it is good to want to strive, to leave a legacy, to accomplish something with your life. But th it just this sermon helps illustrate this is what you should be doing for the glory of God, for mm. pleasing the one who served us. And then just as far as convicting, I, I think it's, it, I, I could be easily be tempted to be complacent. You know, I, uh, uh, I had the privilege of serving as an elder in this local church. I've been exposed to the scriptures and reading the scriptures since I was a young child. And it just, it'd be, it's so easy to just be like, oh, okay, I guess I'm doing all right. But I, to always have that hunger to want to know God better, to constantly wanting to make sure that the, the way I live my Christian life is, is as pleasing to God as possible. Um, it's good. It's, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're handling the scriptures well when you're both encouraged and convicted, and so that's definitely and, and what one I got of the, in today's service. This is one of the terrible things about me being, because I'm always <laughs> changing the agenda here. But one of the interesting things for me about Philippians is I always thought the major theme was joy mm. and like smiles until mm. I started preaching through it. And then I'm like, the major theme seems to be unity mm. and then growing in your sanctification. Like, and those are those are not things, emphasis that I hit before mm. whenever I'd I'd preach sections of Philippians, sure. but now that we're going through it, you, you see the whole concept, and we're getting to joy in chapter mm -hmm. 4, and that's yeah. definitely the theme yeah. of chapter 4, and, and sprinkled throughout, but unity, and like he is placing a massive emphasis throughout the entire book on 
work for your sanctification. Yeah. There's no passive let go and let God mm -hmm. because right. of the theology cut type Kesson, thing. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. interesting because unity creates sanctification, but then sanctification creates unity, and, and yes. they're, they're very symbiotic. They yes. work together. So and, and, and joy, too. Like, yeah. So we miss it when we say, like, go for joy, mm -hmm. and Paul's saying this, this joy flows out of unity. Right. So you have the wrong goal. And yeah, I think if you just, this is why we preach through books of the Bible, yeah. because, like, I'm, I have a theological degree. I have, I have many of them. But even I was missing it in Philippians. You know, I'm thinking joy, 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 and it's not. It's unity and then out of unity, yeah. you know, joy it's and a, sanctification. As the designated nerd, I'll say it's a reciprocal relationship. <laughs> but uh, some of you math nerds out there will understand what that, that has to do about it. All right, so uh, you, you talked about, because it's in the passage, a godly discontentment. Mm -hmm. And that just got me thinking about uh, godly ambition. What does it look like to have godly discontentment and godly ambitions. I'll start with you, Kent. Godly discontentment and godly ambitions. And I, I think so. Your godly discontentment is to recognize that you are not as mature as you should be. Even once you mm -hmm. think you have grown to a certain level of Christian maturity, that God is still calling us into a deeper knowledge of him, a deeper relationship mm -hmm. with him, and a deeper maturity. And so um, I think that all of the theology that we gain through studying books in the Bible has to have an outflow in how we perceive and live our lives and how mm -hmm. we look at the world around us, how we react to situations. That is in itself indicative of Christian maturity, so they have to work together. Yes. Kyle, uh, what, is, what is godly discontentment You know, I'm like a squirrel. Like? I've already yeah. lost that what question. Is, what does godly discontentment <laughs> look like, and uh, is there such a thing as godly ambition? Yeah, I think there's worldly entrepreneurship versus godly ambition. Mm -hmm. And godly ambition you see in the book of Nehemiah. Like yeah. he wanted to build a wall, right. um, but not for his own glory. And that was God gave him that ambition. It was a godly ambition. Yes. So, um, yeah, and that, that was another thing that just God has been working on me all week, just that sanctified dissatisfaction. Yeah. Like there are areas, there are areas we can still grow in. Um, and, and are we taking steps to grow in that area? Mm -hmm. Like especially when we first get saved, like we're yeah. reading the Bible and, and we're listening to preaching with such intensity. Like has that waned at all? Yeah, and of course, we, we, we struggle with this, even thinking about the ministry and leadership here. And you were, you were really one who's really good at, at godly discontentment when it comes to the ministry. Just like things could be, I'm the one who's tempted to be like, hey, things are going real well. Why change the magic formula? It's like, no, no, no. You've got that entrepreneurial vision for the ministry of like, oh, this is my vision for where things could be. And anyway, obviously, we have to meet hap happily right. in, the, in, the, in the, the middle there. For, for me, uh, I, I really like what you said about a godly discontentment, not discontent for the circumstances, because Paul himself says godliness with contentment is great gain. No, it's, it's a discontentment for knowing, and of course, if you look around this world, you can't help but look at this fallen world and feel a sense of discontentment, but as a Christian, you see what it could be with the grace of God applied, and it's a discontentment that leads to, rather than uh, unconstructive criticism or, or helplessness, but says, how can I, through the gospel, make this situation better? How can I redeem this fallen situation for the glory of God. And, and I, I think about ambition I, 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 as another, again, as the history geek around here, I've read about great men of history like Napoleon, Julius Caesar, who were just driven by ambition. Mm. But their ambition was their own glory. Mm. Uh, they, they would, and they would have thousands of lives be lost to, to fuel their own personal glory. Then you have historical figures who 
definitely weren't perfect, and you can't believe all the hagiographic stuff that's written about them. But <laughs> besides that, guys like George Washington and George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, regardless of all some of the myth that surrounds them, down deep they genuinely were men of character who were ambitious, but they were ambitious to be known and respected for something, having done good for their fellow man, to be worthy of that kind of. Uh, honor. And we with Christians are liberated to have an even better form of ambition, yeah, not just for our, the good of our fellow men and having lived your life for something that mattered to leave a legacy in the history books. But any Christian, regardless of their talent or their gifting, should have a godly ambition for the glory of God. We are ambitious that God's glory would be more known and appreciated. And we can live our lives, whether that's sweeping the streets or you know, CEO of a big Fortune 500 company or somewhere in between or in full-time ministry or not full-time ministry, we can shrewdly invest our lives for God's glory and have that kind of a driving ambition. And that puts our own weaknesses and our failures mm. in perspective because it's not primarily about us. It's about uh, being ambitious yeah. for God's glory. Well, another thing you talked about is because uh, it's an emphasis of Paul in this passage and elsewhere is putting things behind forgetting those things which are behind in many ways, whether that's our successes or our sins. And so I've got a two-sided two question, uh, kind of flip side of the coin. How do you forget your sin without minimizing it or being flippant about your sin? And how do you rejoice in God's work in your life and yet stay humble? Kyle? How do you, how do you, how do you forget your sins without acting like it's yes. no big deal? And how do you rejoice... When you have signs, uh, affirmations of God's work in your life without uh, yeah. getting proud. If you have the proper view of the holiness of God, you're never going to minimize your mm. sin. You're never mm. going to minimize your sin. Now, you may run into the error of um, not claiming God's promises when you confess your sin, not claiming his promise that he will forgive you. Yeah. And that in itself is another theological problem. You're not believing God's word, yeah. and so you need, to go, you need to go back there. Um, second part of the question. Again, I'm a squirrel. Okay, these two-part questions are hard. What yeah, was the second? Little, what yeah, was the yeah. second? Part? Your <laughs> Let's search the how first you, one how first. How do you rejoice in God's work? Because you, you get every after every sermon, you get somebody, and uh, and we appreciate this, by the way, folks. You mm. say that we well, appreciate your sermon right. or yes. appreciate your ministry. Mm. How do you take that kind of compliment? How do you rejoice that yes, God is using me in His work, and yet stay humble and not become uh, content? In yeah, the I, don't, sense. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if what I'm going to say is going to answer your question or not. But I'll just That's throw fine. it out there. You, just, just, you just tell these, me if it doesn't answer. These questions are just <laughs> to get the conversation going yeah. at the end of the day. Um, so. I, I just never take myself too serious. Mm. You know, like I, I know both of you men were converted without my preaching, mm -hmm. and you've grown in the Lord without my preaching. And I'm thankful that my preaching will contribute to that. But I know God can use me, and um, I just try not to take myself too too yes. seriously. And so if someone compliments and um, our church does so well of not just giving general compliments like mm -hmm. hey great word today hey yeah, great yeah, sermon yeah. it's like this is how God spoke to me yeah. this is what I learned new you know specific things which is which is really helpful and I always just say thank you for the encouragement um, I, I don't I don't get uh, big-headed about things like that yeah. um, and that's I just good life this, advice to... Oak Grove has humbled me so I don't, I don't, I don't get I don't get big-headed about hey, it I really well, don't. hey I, yeah. I live here so there yes. you go yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah that, that is such good advice, just on a practical level, even just not to take ourselves seriously. And often you can see someone who takes themselves too seriously mm. because they're miserable. Right. Um, and that's just, it's a terrible way to live your life when it's all about you. Uh, all right, Kent, so yes, again, reiterate <laughs> the two-part question. How do you forget your sin and your failures of the past without being flippant about them? And how do you rejoice mm -hmm. uh, in, in God using you without getting proud? 
I wish you would have broken up into two different questions. Okay, so let me start <laughs> with right. the first part. How do you forget about your sin um, without what? Without uh, minimizing, minimizing, minimizing it, being okay. flippant about yeah. your sin. Man, I was Cheap saved. Grace, I, if you will. I was saved from a lot. Like, mm -hmm. I had a lot of sin in my life that God has saved me from. And so it would be um, a failure on my part to, to minimize it and to undermine the fact that my sins are what put Christ on the cross. That him going to the cross was for my sins specifically. When those nails were driven through his hands, that was me doing it. That was my sin. Mm. I can't ever forget that. I, I can never minimize that. And, and we, what we don't want to do is get into this mindset of, of cheap grace or antinomianism and say things like direction, not perfection. And while there's a little bit of truth in that, what we don't want to do is to take, apart, take away from what Christ did, the price that he paid for our sins. Um, so that, that's the first and foremost. Now, I, I don't allow Satan to, you know, he's the accuser. He's going to tell me that I am, I am condemned, that I'm not good enough. And you're right, I, I am not good enough, but my Christ, my Savior is. Yes. And in that I rest, and in that I have trust and confidence that my sins have been paid for. Um, so that, that's kind of the, the first part of it. Um, did I answer that completely? Yeah. That did I miss anything? Sounds good. Nope, okay. Good. So the second part was how do we rejoice in God's work? Um, for me personally, you know, I, I started teaching the Bible maybe a year after my salvation, and, and, and I wasn't good at it. Um, and, you know, there were moments where I would walk in and be like, yeah, yeah, I got this, and then God would allow me just to fall flat in my face and fail, <laughs> right. and I would give the worst lesson ever, and I'm just like, oh, I can't do this. And I, I realized at that point in time that any lesson I taught had to be done in God's strength. And the longer I, I kind of taught the Bible, the more I hear people saying, hey, great lesson. That really blessed me so much. And in order to keep myself from, from getting a big head, I have to stop and recognize that even if I was to serve every single second of every day for the rest of my life to serve my Savior wholeheartedly, never stopping, it's not even a small drop of water in the seas of glory that he deserves. And so... Every effort that I do is just, it's so microscopic compared to all of the glory and all of the praise and all of the worship that my Savior deserves. So then how can I take pride from any of that? Mm. There is no pride in serving a Savior like mine. So we do it humbly. We do it, you know, with the right heart and, 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 and mind, gospel-minded um, to be, you know, bringing the gospel to the, to the, to the corners of the earth. Yeah. Well, that's so good. I, I like how you mentioned... Uh, one of the ways that, that helps you not minimize sin is realize that that's what sent Christ to the cross. And for me personally, one of the greatest physical periodic reminders of that for me is the Lord's table. You know, whenever yes. we come to the Lord's table, uh, it's, what is it? It's proclaiming Christ's death. And, it, and we've always understood uh, for, for centuries that it's a great time to examine our own hearts and realize um, to rejoice, yes, in, in the forgiveness we have in Christ's ultimate sacrifice, but to, again, just realize how terrible sin is that the Son of God had to have his, his flesh beaten and bruised uh, and abused and his blood poured out for, for us, um, that, that puts our sin in perspective. It helps us see, see how serious it is. But then we have all these, these uh, commands from God to rejoice and to live a victorious Christian life. And we can take God at his word and realize, okay, yes, I'm not going to minimize my sin, but I'm also not going to be paralyzed by it. If I have confessed it, forsaken it, I'm, it's under the blood of Jesus Christ, I will go forward for God's uh, grace. And then, 
You know, it's always encouraging, and we have such an encouraging congregation here, especially to be, to be told that you, your, your efforts are a blessing to them or that they're helping the ministry. And it is right to find satisfaction in that because, in, in a sense, you are, you, it's the satisfaction knowing you're doing what God created you to do, which is to bring glory for him, whatever the context, whether it's in the, the home, in the church, or some other way. So it's a good way to, 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 to rejoice in that and yet just realize, you know, if, you have, if God's given you talent, God gave them to you, and so you, you have nothing to be proud of. Or uh, that, that, that you mentioned, Ken, there's always uh, room for improvement and, and striving. Well, you talked a lot about sports at the end. Uh, as you mentioned, it wasn't necessarily the primary point right. of the passage, but it's an important topic in our culture, mm. and this was a great passage to have some to tag on some practical application. Rather than doing two-part questions, I'll ask you one question and you a different question. <laughs> okay. Since you already talked about your theology of sports, yes. I'll ask you about your theology of sports, Mr. Tattooed Theologian, as uh, Kyle likes to call you. But Kyle, someone who, of, of the three of us, you're probably the one who's most the sports lover. Um, You've seen my jump shot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Jordan-esque, what can I say? And as someone, at least we agree on the most important thing, brother, that Michael Jordan is the greatest no basketball doubt. player yes. of all time. So yes. you've got to have that For kind sure. of important unity okay. when you're in ministry together. But how do you, what's a, pra practically speaking, there's a lot of uh, people in our congregation who love sports, and that's okay. A lot of people in our nation love sports around the world. How do you know when sports is becoming an idol in your life? Well, just like anything else, if, uh, if it's taken away and it destroys you. Mm. You know, or your team loses and it destroys you, then um, you know it it, it, sh it shouldn't have that impact on you. Um, so you're giving it too much weight and too much glory. Uh, it should it shouldn't destroy you. As, it was interesting because the you know the passage was you know five or six verses, um, and it was sports. Like running was the theme throughout. And so I wanted to do the exposition with application in it. And then at the end, I thought, man, there's just what about a theology of sports? Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did with those three applications. Yeah. And, um, you know, with our church, there's just a lot of young families. So these kids aren't quite in high school yet or middle school. They're kids. Mm -hmm. um, they are super young. But um, just to know that they, they could get into this as their yeah. kids get older. They could grow into this and it becoming a thing that, I mean, have you guys ever seen a kid's, Oh, schedule yeah, yeah. dominate the parent schedule. Absolutely, you know yeah. what I mean. I thought you were going to say the parent like screaming at the refs or screaming. Oh, at I've their seen kids. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah. both. I've, I've probably both. done that as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a great litmus test, like uh, for any idol, is like, are you crushed if it's taken away, and yeah. do you glory in it? I thought. I thought also about like how do you, does it break other relationships with other people, yeah. um, and uh, is it just the focus of your life? And honestly, I was just thinking you could focus put. A lot of different things in there for the place of sports, whether it's politics, an unhealthy obsession yes. with politics, or an unhealthy obsession with you insert your interest or pastime mm -hmm. there. It could uh, be the, the exact same thing. Well, and and there's like um, you know the thought of dualism as well. Mm. So um, you know God God loves baptism, but but not business. Yes. And then we could just go on back and forth with those types of things. Um, the name Abraham Kuyper, mm -hmm. it's all for the glory of God. Right, God yeah, put so, every, so every, every square inch yeah. of that. So every there is a way to do sports, sports for the glory of God. Yes. That's yeah. so, that's so good and then know. even on the same team, you can mm -hmm. have one doing sports for the glory of God and another not doing yes. sports for the glory of God. So it's how, it's how you're receiving that. Exactly. Yeah. 
So good, good practical instruction. That's important to apply biblical principles. And uh, I liked how you know the, the text is at least tangentially related to uh, that kind of thing. And it was a yes. very appropriate teaching point. All right, Kent, what what is your theology of sports? So I have to drop this with a little bit of you know personal application and experience. When I was younger, um, I could run like the wind. I ran two miles in 1050. I've I've run yeah. 25 miles before. Can I do that now? <laughs> Absolutely not. Or, or lifting weights. You know, um, there was a period in my life where I was about 50 pounds heavier than I am now, and I was able to bench press 400 pounds. Wow. Can I bench press 400 now? No, I can bench press 300. So you don't want to, do, you, yes. do you want to be one of those guys that's hanging around the gym saying, oh, I used to bench 400? And everybody's looking at you like, well, you obviously I think of Uncle Rico from Napoleon Napoleon Dynamite, right? I could have won won state anyway. Right, right, exactly. You know, living in the past. Mm -hmm. Yes. The the call is is perseverance and continuing to Mm -hmm. grow into maturity. And so right now, I'm not looking back at what I was able to do when I was 20 or 25. I'm looking at what God has me doing right here today in Clarksville and in Fort Campbell and striving to continue to grow to Christian maturity. So I'm staying focused and not turning back. That, that's my theology of sports, yeah. is, is if you're always focused back and talking about what you did 10, 15 years ago, you're, you're neglecting today. Mm-hmm. To stay focused on today and to continue to press forward towards that goal and to bring mm-hmm. Christ's glory in wherever he has you in life. Yeah, exactly. Sports is a wonderful gift, uh, uh, just like the many of the pastimes and pleasures that he's given to us to enjoy. It is a way, a way that we can um, delight in the creation that you talked about, tying it uh, mm. to, to all of creation, how if uh, we can delight in God's creation for his glory, we can certainly do that in sports. Mm. But like any good thing, it itself can become an idol. And so yes. we always have to be uh, guard to guard against that. Well, thank you, men. Uh, mm. Church family, I hope you were helped by that. And I hope you ju- we just set the model for you that you can do this too. Uh, whether it's another believer in the church or with your family, you can just talk through a sermon and say, what were the things that blessed you, the things that convicted you, uh, and talk through. What do you think the implications of this are for that? And uh, we hope that you get the most out of uh, these sermons. I know Kyle uh, labors every week to give you meaty sermons, and when I have the opportunity to do that, I do the same. And we just want you to get the most out of it as, as possible. We love you, and Lord bless you. Thank you for listening to this resource of Faith Family Church. We gather on Sundays at 495 Hugh Hunter Road in Oak Grove, Kentucky, and are a short drive from Fort Campbell and Hopkinsville, Kentucky, as well as Clarksville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website, myfaithfamilychurch.com.